to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com okay listeners here's a discount coming up you know that i am all about self-care and self-parenting and this advertiser is actually about taking care of other body parts than we usually talk about you may remember it from an episode with goddess coco meow she shared that for her and her clients that brushing your teeth can help with throat chakra healing it's also a way to have a routine that tells yourself that you are worth taking care of even with simple basic needs Better health starts with good habits, routines, and rituals, and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials for your mouth, gums, and teeth, not for blowjobs, that you need to care for your mouth. If you go to getquip.com slash S&S right now, you'll get your first refill free. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths and has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. It's lightweight, has a sleek design, and for all ages, there's no wires or bulky chargers to weigh you down. Also, because it has this smart motor, you can also get the Quip app to help track and improve your brushing habits. And when you are doing well, you get rewards that you can redeem for free or discounted refills and cool stuff. They also have floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and more. So if you go to getquip.com slash S&S right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash S and S that's spelled G E T Q U I P getquip.com slash S A N D S quip the good habits company. Thanks for tuning in. Sluts and Scholars is a sex-positive, shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter. While we love to give advice and resources, please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars. On today's episode, I'm so excited to be speaking with Chris and Charlotte, also known as the Pleasure Mechanics. Partners in love and life, Chris Maxwell Rose and Charlotte Mia Rose, which they made sure to tell me it was not Rose, have been immersed (laughs) in the field of body-based somatic sex education since 2003 and together founded Pleasure Mechanics in 2006. The Pleasure Mechanics guide you step-by-step in welcoming more pleasure, joy, and connection into your life, no matter where you are in your erotic experience and what you are ready to explore. After pioneering the field of sexological body work, which we will talk about in this episode, they teach sold out workshops and have taken stages big and small. Chris and Charlotte have spent the past 15 years focusing exclusively on developing online accessible resources, delivering their soulful and effective erotic education through eight online courses and their weekly podcast, Speaking of Sex with the Pleasure Mechanics, where they so awesomely feature a past episode of mine so make sure you check out that episode and all of them Um, from erotic massage to erotic spanking from mindful sex to kink the pleasure mechanics online courses guide you in exploring new erotic realms and developing new sexual skills on your own terms and from the comfort of your own home and their podcast speaking of sex offers over 400 episodes featuring in-depth practical passionate and compassionate exploration into just about every facet of human sexuality and include practical explorations so you can integrate more pleasure joy and connection into your life right away welcome mm-hmm. thank you Accurate. that was so yeah. well that was so well written thank you for sending me this beautiful introduction to what you do i feel like we could just end the podcast right there <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's well done so we're done we're good to go okay Such joy so to be for, here. Mm-hmm. so happy to have you um so for listeners what is sexological body work Mm. Mm. (laughs) Well, that takes us back to um, 2002, 2003 in the Bay Area, where a group of um, sex educators, um, kind of led by Joseph Kramer, PhD, who's the granddaddy of erotic massage, um, passed through the state of California a new profession, um, and it was taught first at the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, and it has since spread across the globe. Um, but the intention of this profession was hands-on, hands-in somatic sex education. So this is, you know, the now broadened field of somatic sex education had its roots in this, you know, gay sex lineage of erotic massage and sacred intimacy in the Bay Area. 
And that happened to be when I arrived into the erotic education community of San Francisco after college. So I showed up fresh faced at, you know, 21, 22 and um, was ushered into this community and, you know, sluts and scholars indeed. I had been a scholar of sex for my young life up till then. And this profession brought us into the body. Um, and I got massage training and started working with Joseph Kramer and was teaching the third cohort, I think, of sexological body work when Charlotte walked into the door. And so she had been an erotic masseuse. Do you want to say how you got into that door? I came, I had been an erotic masseuse in San Francisco for about five years and I wanted to take my training to the next level. So I went and got graduate level sexology training um, that Chris was teaching. Um, And I was so drawn by this idea of like supporting people and learning how to experience more pleasure in their body, like in the felt sense. And that's what the profession was trying to teach. And we really felt like we wanted to help people learn that at home and not just in classes, um, but at home online um, to really be able to translate that to a broader audience. Mm-hmm. So oh, this is where I, Pleasure Mechanics got its roots, but recently it was just featured in Goop, um, sexological body work was. So it's kind of a term that has now come to be a very big umbrella term for a very big profession. Um, but that's where Pleasure Mechanics was born. And, you know, 2003 and 2004 in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have so many questions uh, that I want to ask, especially, we should definitely check in about what you thought about the Goop uh, special if you watched it. Um, but Charlotte, what is erotic massage? Because when I hear that, I feel like people just kind of know it as like the happy ending or like the the rub and tug kind of thing. Um, and so how do you define what erotic massage really was for you and, and what kind of people came to, to get that? Mm. Um, it was such a joy and a privilege to offer pleasure to hundreds and hundreds of men, I have to say. And I learned so much about pleasure. But what the sessions look like are one-way touch, um, full-body massage, and then erotic massage where you're focused on bringing sensation and pleasure to the genitals, but also extending pleasure, so playing with edging. Um, so you're really allowing for a whole rich experience that has extended pleasure, high levels of arousal and deep levels of relaxation. And I feel like that structure really allowed for a kind of pleasure that often isn't present in partnered sex because somebody can just lie back and receive. Receive, yes. so many men actually don't get that sort of long hour long experience of just receiving and relaxing and so many men said this is better than sex and yes I was very skilled at it but also the technology of it I think is brilliant Um, and I just became so passionate about it because I wanted other people to experience this outside of these rooms and I wanted women to get to experience this like for couples to be able to learn how to do this and offer it to each other because it's such a beautiful experience and it's something in long-term relationships that people can offer each other um, that doesn't have to start with lust. It can be like deep erotic service and connection. Whoa, and take it there. <laughs> and I feel like that has, you know, over a lifetime that can offer a, a relationship so much. Well, you were hearing from your clients that so many of them were in touchless relationships. Yeah. And I know this must be something you hear about in your practice because we hear a lot about sexless relationships And that is a, you know, very rampant condition for people, but also touchless relationships. Um, And how many people live really touchless lives. Um, So when we got together and we were both trained in massage and both saturated in erotic touch, we really wanted to be of service and try to generate tools for people to bring just more simple, affectionate touch into their lives so that we can then get to these deep erotic states together. Because for a lot of people, you know, even just an affectionate hug a day would be medicine welcome. In oh, even when you said affectionate hug, I like felt my chest warm. I was like, oh, that sounds nice right now. And mm-hmm. I, I get so I wish it didn't have to be the case that a full body massage had to be separate of like, here's an erotic massage. Like, yes, of course, people should have the choice to have that component or not. But full body is full body. And if we're skipping the pelvic region completely, like it, you're missing so much. Right, right. And professionally, these distinguishing lines make perfect sense, right? And this, especially this culture. 
some massage professionals do a good job not creating that genital hole. That's what we call it in our lineage. Because you're right, when we ignore the genitals and think about our whole body minus the sexual system, or conversely, so many people, when they think about sex, it's just the genitals and not the full body. So what this lineage really does, and so when I say the lineage, it's the erotic massage lineage that started during the AIDS crisis. And erotic massage was developed as a way of giving full body erotic experience, ecstatic experience, um, without the risk of ejaculation and thus transmission. Yeah, well, um, but some people didn't even want to touch folks who had right. HIV at that time. So right. imagine the the touch starvation. And Chris, how do you define a touchless relationship? Like I, I'm imagining like no touch at all, but I could also see how someone who craves a different kind of being touched and being seen might still feel touchless, even though there's like a peck on the mouth here or a hug here. I think I've still felt that hunger for more. So much hunger for more when it comes to touch for so many of us, right? And I think that's a really good moment for us all to pause and kind of take an inventory in our own lives. Like so much of what we do at Pleasure Mechanics is try to give us tools to kind of self-assess and then take action towards our desires, our goals, our wants. Um, so to take a moment right now and like, what is the kind of state of the union of touch in your life? Who touches you? Um, did you get touch growing up? Was affectionate touch safe in your home? Um, who has affectionate touch been safe with? And then you're right, right now in our, in your relationships and your most affectionate friendships, um, where is it satisfying? Right. Um, and where is there a hunger for more? Because for so many of us, we can feel right into those places where it's like, I want more deep, passionate kissing, or I want more intensity, or I want more tenderness. I want more holding just to like be held in stillness together. We're always rushing in and out of bed, right? So how do we self um, evoke those those longings and then start to ask for them? Um And they may or may not be accessible to you right now, but at least you know what you're hungry for. So many of us, I think, do experience touch hunger because we live in America, in the United States, where there isn't that much sanctioned touch between friends, between um, where most of us are getting our touch just in our intimate relationships. And it's a lot of pressure. um, And we can't sometimes satisfy that to the extent that we maybe need as animals, as mammals, where we do need touch to thrive. And yeah, or people are just waiting for the sex to touch each other, right? There's no full body erotic warm up or any kind of touching in an intimate way until it's like, Oh, time to fuck. Let me reach directly for your tits and honk them. Right. And so part of one of the things we really try to emphasize over the years is that massage is amazing foreplay, right? It can take you right into that zone of wanting more of bridging between your stressful day and that full body erotic touch. And it can be a self complete fulfilling experience just to get five minutes of touch. Um, So in our massage course, we really break it down into these five minute sequences. So you can offer one another five to 10 minutes of foot massage on the couch and have that be self-fulfilling and build mm-hmm. these wins into your relationships. And a lot of this touch can be shared with intimate friends, with family members. Um, so it's not all about leading up to sex. And when you introduce the language of massage, so this was, you know, when Charlotte and I met, we were both trained in classical massage and erotic massage. And we noticed how much it changed how we made love. Um, every sex act then includes full body touch. So when you're going down on someone, it can then include both of your hands engaged Mm. and like really touching one another because it turns out touch is a language most of us never learned. Mm -hmm. Right. Our hands are not wise in the ways of touch. And so much of our offering to folks is like with just a few learned skills, you can relax your hands into masterfully touching your lover's body and then offering that experience of feeling really held and seen because a good massage stroke, like, yes, it feels good on the muscles, but what it also feels is like, I see you, I feel you, I've got you. 
Well, I think that's why it's hard to give it and receive it is because it's so vulnerable. So mm. people have trouble, myself included, just like being in their body. And so when we think about these intentional massage touches, it's like, mm. that's really fucking scary for some people to just be in that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, we're about to do an episode on ticklish during touch because um, some people respond with that anxiety of being ticklish, even with a really relaxing massage stroke. Um, but you're, you're right. Receiving is really fraught for a lot of us. And we feel that during oral sex. Um, we feel that during a lot of different kinds of intimacy, but we definitely can feel that during massage. So there are ways though, to kind of baby step, like, can you sit at the kitchen table, extend your hand and receive a hand massage? Um, and we show this one stroke that really opens up the palm. And for people who work on their computers all day long and devices, which is so many of us, just this slipping the fingers in between and opening up the palm is just this like, <gasps> and it changes that moment with you and your lover, or you and your friend, where it's like touch is now a portal, a language. It really becomes a way of communicating something. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I wish I could reach through the screen and offer you a stroke or two because so much. <laughs> oh <of> my <laughs> gosh. I want it so bad. If you can't tell, I'm like, yes, I feel, I want this. Mm-hmm. I feel this. Um, and and I mean, that, that, like feeling safe together. Cause so much of pleasure yeah. we've talked about is like before pleasure comes safety. Um, our systems need to relax into pleasure together, relax into arousal. And so how do we create a sense of safety? Like when you walk into a great massage studio you know, it's the context. You feel like you're relaxed already when you get on the table, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then a good massage therapist makes you feel safe being naked and vulnerable and face down, you know, yeah. and your lover, like we can learn how to make one another feel more safe. And that sounds kind of unsexy, but safe is the start of all kink. It's the start of all really like, fascinating, amazing sex. Pleasure. to feel safe together. Yeah. So that's something we've been talking a lot about. Mm-hmm. Something I talk a lot about with my uh, p- both partnered and individual clients is like skin hunger, I guess you might call that mm-hmm. touch hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for folks listening, that's basically and tell me if you would define it differently, Chris and Charlotte, but I define it to my clients as you know, how much we want to connect in a sort of touch way. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like just skin to skin, but it could be like this being held. It's basically like how much do you crave? Um, physical connection and intimacy with others. And so one question and wondering I have is most of my couples that I see or partners that I see um, often end up choosing a partner who has an opposing level of skin Mm -hmm. or touch hunger, Um, this sort of yin and yang. And so you've got someone who wants a lot and someone who doesn't want as much. And at first it's like this sexy cat mouse chase, but then when you're together for a while, it's like, wow, this is really not feeling good. I'm not getting my needs met or I'm feeling like my partner wants too much. Any tips or advice for folks in partnership who have different levels of touch hunger? Mm. Oh, there's so much there. I think one piece is that somebody who has a higher touch uh, need can also can practice a lot of self-massage um, because that really can nourish one's body and f- feed that need in a way that that then doesn't create a neediness so that when you're connecting as a partnership, it can be about each other, not just satisfying that need. Um, Self-massage, I was also going to say, sometimes pets create a touch input, um, sometimes weighted blankets, or I have like a weighted octopus that I put on my head. Um, there's all <laughs> sorts of ways of creating sensory input. Um, and people I think are getting better at like naming the kinds of sensory input their bodies want and then giving themselves tools and objects to help that. Hot baths also help yeah. for some people. Um, but also dialing it in, getting specific. Cause I would argue that more than like kind of a binary scale of like more or less higher low libido for touch. Um, and especially when it comes to like your sex drive, right. When we know sex is not a drive, but we use this language of like, who wants more of what? Mm-hmm. And I would argue like more of what, of what, right? Like let's get specific about what each of us as a being needs is that deep pressure under blankets in the dark room because that's still a specific sensory experience versus I want to be out with lots of lights and stimuli in the hot city night. Um, And if we can get specific about what we want and also know how changeable that is, how changeable we are as creatures. And that's, you know, after being together for 15 years, 
and witnessing one another's sexualities change and change again and again and again, we're reminding folks all the time about the seasons of wants, the seasons of needs, and how if we can constantly be in this curiosity of like, what does my being need right now? What kinds of touch? Um, I love that. The season of of wants. I really like mm. that. And I think it's a, a good opportunity for folks to do work and figure out something about themselves. So not that you don't deserve to get the touch and the kind of touch you want for for connection and healing and validation or whatever you're looking for. But I think not in a judgmental way, but I believe it's good to ask yourself, like, why am I looking for this? What am I really seeking? Because I definitely have folks and I've been there where you're like, I'm cuddling with someone, but I just want to like crawl into your skin and like Buffalo Bill this situation. Cause I like, I, I just want to get even closer. I want to be inside you. Right. And asking yourself like, well, what is that about? Is it that you didn't get enough touch before? Is it, is it a trauma thing? Is it, um, that you need a different kind of touch? Is it that you really want to feel validated and feel seen? And for some reason, the way your partner's holding you, you don't feel that way. Like, I think mm. it helps us highlight and, and ask ourselves, like, what am I really seeking here? And then sometimes ask specifically for what you need. You're much more willing to get it, much more likely to get it. Because um, sometimes a vague more, I need more can be very threatening as a partner. It's like, I'm trying, I'm giving all the time. Like, what more can I give you? But if you say like, I need more deep pressure for a few moments before I drift off to sleep. Can you give me that, please? Um, and that's part of what the massage and like spending time with these skills does is it gives us a language to describe our cravings. So it goes from this vague want to a specific ask. And then if your partner, it's like, no, I can't give you that. What are the options for creating you know, that sensation, that experience, as you talked about, that emotional experience. Yeah, but it really just starts with being able to drop in your body. And I think that's one of the things after 15 years, I became aware of is like, to answer any of these questions, we have to be able to feel our feelings and feel what our bodies are experiencing. Um, and so that's something we can all practice like every day of what's real for me right now, what is my body experiencing? What am I feeling? What are the emotional contours of that? And that's like a delightful and sometimes fraught landscape to explore. Yeah. And this seems like such an obvious question to me, but just for folks listening, I've mentioned this on other podcasts before where we've talked about like somatic modalities of therapy, but mm. why is the body important when we're healing sexual things? Mm. Like, I think uh, I, I do love what I do and I, I like being a sex therapist, but you know what? It is limiting. Um, I think it's good for people to come in and start and create a safe place to talk about sex, maybe for the first time, but then at some point you have to go into the body. And so why have you found that this is so crucial and key and why folks can't just talk about the sex and really need to like feel and be in the sex? Mm. Well, our lives are embodied lived experiences, right? We, when we say embodied, that can be a big word or somatic, but all we're really naming there is that our bodies, you know, our lives are lived with and through and experienced with and through our bodies. Um, a lot of good teachers recently, um, Prentice Hemphill and amongst others have pointed out that the idea of somatics is part of white supremacy. Um, even this idea that the body and mind are, can be divided, can be talked about as two different things is part of that colonization. Um, and that all cultures have lineages and practices where we understand that the, the world and our lives and our relationships are experienced through our bodies. Um, even when we talk about the brain and neurons, we have many neurons in our gut, right? And those are in constant communication with our brains via our heart and lungs. Um, and so that entire connection from our brains to our pelvic floor basically is in constant communication. The hormonal system is constantly working and dialing itself in for us. And so to attune into that, for me, when we say pleasure mechanics, it's the mechanics of how pleasure works how relationships work through the human body. And when we experience the body for the wondrous, uh, majestic miracle it is, so much lights up for us. And we can also understand why things like previous traumas are so impacting us. And we stop feeling like broken toys and we start understanding ourselves as human beings 
that have lived through some shit and have some very real survival mechanisms working for us. And we can start learning how to dial that in, right? Our bodies are so malleable and through practice, right? We talk a lot about pleasure practice. So through practice, we can start feeling our bodies, understanding them, mapping them, and then changing our lived experience through practice and exploration and curious, wondrous joy. So like, why not? dial into the body, right? But we can't do that when we're paying a professional by hour all the time. And this is what we came to even as sexological body workers. Um, This is too important to outsource to professionals. It needs to be a lived cultural language of how we live, how we show up for one another, how we make love to one another, right? So when you're having sex, the question is like, how are you feeling right now? How am I feeling? How are you feeling, honey? What would feel good to you? What would you like to experience together? And to ask those questions and be able to answer them, you need to like check into your body and be like, what would feel good to me? Am I in a massage or a spanking kind of mode? I need to understand how I'm feeling to be able to begin to answer that. Mm. So that was a big answer, but you know, our bodies are our lives and our experiences and we need tools because we have lived in this white supremacy culture that's very disembodied and on purpose takes us away from our embodied power and ability to connect with one another. And so it's a response to that of like, let's come back, let's remember, right? Like that word is to come back into the body. Let's remember who we are. That's so, yeah, I I feel like I have no words because I'm feeling everything you're saying Mm -hmm. so much in my body. Um, Mm -hmm. And I imagine our, our listeners are too. Hey, slutty scholars, if you have been putting off getting holiday gifts, then look no further. Give more joy and well-being to everyone on your holiday list with Everly Well at-home lab tests. Everly Well can help your loved ones or yourself learn more about your body so you can take control of your health. Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash S&S. Everly Well offers affordable at-home lab tests that give you trusted physician-reviewed results. Choose from tests including food sensitivity, metabolism, sleep and stress, thyroid, STDs, and so much more. And remember, I'm not your doctor, so always consult with a professional, but you know I got the sexually transmitted infection test or STI test. The STI test discreetly allows you to test for seven types of STIs, all from the privacy of your own home. Everly Well ships your test straight to your door with everything needed for a sample collection. Return the test to a CLIA-certified lab with a prepaid shipping label, and then your physician-reviewed results and insights are sent to your device in just days. Okay, so for me, I got the box. First, I had to log in and just enter a few things online, answered a few short questions about myself. Then the screen gave me directions on how to do the tests. They even have these easy-to-watch videos that show you how to do things like prick your finger and do a swab. It was pretty accessible. So join me this holiday by giving more of what matters with an Everly Well at-home lab test. For listeners, again, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at Everly Well dot com slash s and s that's everlywell.com slash s and s for 20 percent off your at-home lab test everlywell.com slash s and s okay next okay i'm not gonna lie if you've listened to the podcast i may have shared this before but i rarely used to wear underwear i only wear underwear or at least i joke that i only wear underwear if i know it's going to come off or be taken off Bras, however, I need to wear because my chest is heavy, but I have found some comfortable and affordable underwear that even I have started wearing it. Check out Parade. Parade is all about championing self-expression, inclusivity, and diversity. They want everyone to feel comfortable and confident. All Parade underwear is super affordable and pretty insanely comfortable and soft. You forget you're even wearing them. With sizes ranging from extra small to triple XL, Parade has something for everybody. Name a size, a style, a color, and Parade pretty much has it. They have many styles of underwear and bras, and they're known for launching super fun, limited edition, seasonal prints, but they also have some neutral shades as well. Parade also uses recycled fabrics, 
biodegradable packaging, and it's on the road to carbon positivity. They even donate 1% of all sales to causes that I personally can choose from, like reproductive rights, racial equality, LGBTQ plus communities. I really, really like the sport thongs and briefs that have this sweat-wicking, dry, quick-dry material because it's really nice to keep things dry down there when you want things to be dry. So upgrade your underwear drawer like I did with Parade. Head to yourparade.com slash S&S and use code S&S to get 20% off your first order. That's Y-O-U-R-P-A-R-A-D-E, yourparade.com slash S-A-N-D-S, code S&S, for 20% off your first order. Yourparade.com slash S&S, code S&S. Now back to the episode. So do you mm-hmm. feel like this has translated to online? Because I know you mentioned like... Um, I mean, I hear sexological bodywork obviously does have a space and there are folks who should go see a person um, and do that work. But I'm also hearing that you've, you know, transitioned just to online. How do you feel like um, that transition is going? Is it translatable to this online format? Mm -hmm. I think it is because this... You think we've been doing it for 15 years and have 12,000 students (laughs) with us. So yeah. You're like, I hope this is how we make our money. But what I was going to say is I think that um, translating somatic skills is possible because online also includes visual and auditory elements. So I think that we can really translate the kinesthetic experience of seeing what touch looks like and seeing what good quality um, strokes and touch looks like in a way that then we can experience when we watch it. Um, So the teachings do translate effectively, I think, online. (laughs) Well, this became part of our mission, right? When we got together, we were starting to teach workshops. It was the beginning of online video, right? Way back in the beginning of YouTube. Um, I looked at this and I thought with online video, we can reach people that will never have access to an in-person sex workshop, right? That is a privilege and a luxury in this world. Yeah. And and a lot of sexological body workers are pretty expensive. Exactly. And, and they are specialists. And as you said, all specialists have a place, right? Just like medical professionals, therapists, doctors, acupuncturists, like we all need care teams, But what we really aim to do is democratize the knowledge and bring pleasure practice home to people, right? And this came from hearing about those touchless relationships. We're like, we can teach you massage. Let's break this down. And so we spent months and months translating what we had learned in all of this training um, into practical bite-sized pieces. And that's, I think, what we really are good at, if I do say so myself. What's lasted for 15 years with us is the um, efficient nature of some of our work, right? Like there's not a lot of magic to it. You just need to be invited into the experience, right? And so whether that's a podcast episode with one simple idea, you know, and you do this so well too, like one framework, one new framework can change people's worlds. Um, Or with the online courses, learning a new sexual skill at home, like you're at home, you're relaxed, you can come back to it again and again. And I would say not only is it translatable, I think it in many ways is more preferable to in-person workshops. Um, because of the power of media and you can revisit the skills again and again, watch it with your lover, pause it, have a conversation. Um, All of our works is non-pornographic, which again, there's like so many roles for embodied porn watching. Um, But at the same time, when we're learning skills, it's really nice to be able to focus in on the skill itself. Um, So we really zoom you in on the hands, the flesh, and yeah, our lifelike replicas, um, which have been stroked 10,000 times or more by now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 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 So the online courses are, it's like really amazing. And, you know, we hear from people in rural India, all over the world, um, groups of people who get together and watch them and then workshop them. Um, Couples, long distance couples who will work through a course together and then have a whole language and set of conversations before a date. And then that makes that date so much like more intentional and well-planned. Oh, that's lovely. Um, So there's so many ways of using resources because we have to remember sex is communal sex is social so for so many of us we're not in conversation with our friends so resources like what you and I you and us do is like really important for a lot of people in their lives 
Thank you. Well, thank you for including me in that. I feel uh, validated. I appreciate it for including me in that circle. And um, what about the legality of sexological bodywork and and erotic massage? I feel like it falls into this gray area. Um, There's also folks who do other kinds of work, like surrogate partner therapists, which if you don't know what it is, feel free to look it up. But yeah, where, where did you find the legality fit in with doing this kind of work? Because it's more than just, you're not just providing sex for somebody. And I obviously believe in the um, decriminalization of sex work, but that's all, that's on all my other episodes. Um, but yeah, where does the legality fit in? That is a region by region question. And this is what's been interesting about the profession. You know, so when we became pleasure mechanics 15 years ago, it's 15 years in these uniforms, um, we both left doing hands on sessions and focused exclusively in the online work and group work, partly because of this question. And we knew we were becoming parents. Um, and for and, folks who don't know, the uniforms are super hot and cute. They're like these uh, literal mechanic outfits um, <laughs> that are like red and black. And uh, you'll definitely have to check out pictures. I'm sure you can find some online. But it's and they like are literal. To get worn because we've worn them for 15 years and all sorts. Do you of sell? Do you sell these? I feel like you need like to sell these mechanic suits because I would definitely buy one. <laughs> we do have T-shirts now. We'll send you one. But um. What I was saying is, yeah, so legality is a part of it, but in different countries such as Canada, Australia, Germany, um, the profession has really been pushed forward and innovated in new ways because it has more legal protection for the professionals. And in places it doesn't, um, there's a lot of sexological body work happening where they've really slowed down sessions. You're not doing hands-on work right away. Um, And there's so much somatic sex education that can happen without anyone else touching your body. And I think that's really important for people to hear and feel um, and know that this is available to all of us. Just the very basic tools of getting back into our bodies and learning how to feel more pleasure. And so recently we logged onto a Yale Science of Wellbeing course. And the very first unit was on savoring. And we've been talking about savoring for 15 years, you know. It's finally catching up. Well, and to be able to document it, that this is a learned skill that over time we can learn to feel more pleasure, right? We've been talking about this for a decade, but um, it's so important to know that it's not just like, oh, I don't feel good in this world, right? Like a lot of us have an idea of a fixed state of being. Um, but inch by inch, and again, that doesn't have to jump to sex right away. Learning to savor can start with your favorite soup and slowing down the moment and playing with mouthfeel and spiciness and paying attention to your body as if it is worth paying attention to. Mm. Yeah. If that's the only thing you get from signing up for the class, I'm sure you'll get a lot more if you check out pleasure mechanics classes, but Mm. I feel like just the decision to dedicate time to your body and your relationship is a huge deal. Like it's, there's so many great resources out there and sometimes it's hard to get my clients to do it because Mm. they sort of are like, oh, we're really busy or they're stuck in that thing of like, it might be shit, but at least it's warm, it's familiar. Um, It's hard to take that first step to just say, I deserve this space. I deserve to try this and to have the the courage to do it and set aside the time. Mm. Totally. And also to believe that more pleasure is possible, to have the understanding that it is a practice that we can all cultivate and develop so we can experience more pleasure. I think a lot of us feel like where we are is probably like the limit. And it's sort of inspiring to remember that it is infinite. Um, And the more we practice in small ways and in big ways, the deeper and more rich our experience of pleasure can be. Yeah, and I'm sure you both have great answers to this, but Charlotte, I'd love to hear if you have any, as confidential as you can keep it, examples of how you've seen this pleasure either come to yourself Mm. or come to clients that you've worked with or worked on or attendees of the workshops. Like, what are some ways that this, that you've seen this heal people? Mm. Oh, that's a beautiful and huge question. I mean, I think that there is over time, people can shift what they feel and using pleasure to... You can activate. use me as an example. <laughs> you want me to <laughs> Okay, do it. <laughs> pleasure being a pathway to feeling feeling one's body again and in, in bigger ways and then being able to increase the amount of pleasure you can tolerate and feel 
and that it is a slow process sometimes, but it is a rich one and it involves bravery and willingness to receive and allow the experience of touch and massage to open something up in us. Um, well, I mean, to get really concrete there, right? So I'm a survivor of multiple forms of violence and harm. Charlotte is not. At the beginning of our relationship, you know, we say we were both trained in touch. We were both, but I was a giver, capital G, um, because as a survivor, receiving was very fraught for me. And I was like, quick, Hitachi. Because oh, yeah, none, none of it was about you. It was about performing for others, huh? Yes. And the slowing down and feeling what I was feeling was scary because what I was feeling was a lot of trauma. And I had to get through that with the help of therapists, with the help of workshops, with the help of these modalities. Um, I had to feel through a lot of that horror, frankly. And that's when we say like, close your eyes and feel it's like, but it's scary in there. I don't want to. Right. So how do we create micro moments where it is safe to, and that's part of what we offer. Um, you can choose the moments to pay attention. It doesn't have to be sitting still in silence with your eyes closed, like a lot of modalities offer. Right. And then take a deep breath. That doesn't work for a lot of people. But maybe it's that foot massage. Maybe it's savoring soup. Maybe it's during cunnilingus. Maybe it is during a spanking, right? Like kink was a safer place for me to enter. That intensity allowed me to say yes. And I started feeling that way. And then Charlotte's loving touch. I said, use me as an example, because what you've seen over 15 years is my thaw where I can now totally relax into your touch at the beginning, that was not possible for me, right? I had this masterful erotic masseuse goddess falling in love with me and I couldn't receive her touch because trauma. And so that's very real for a lot of us. Um, but I could titrate my way in, right? Can you say yes to one minute? Can you say yes to three minutes? Can you say yes to a hug that lasts a few breaths longer Right. Oh, y'all are making me tear up over here. I feel like mm. that's so beautiful to hear that that's possible for folks. I think, like you said, a lot of my clients don't believe that there's more or mm -hmm. they're like, if I could just have an orgasm and yeah, maybe that's your, you know, short term goal, which can sometimes be too pressured and goal oriented, but, um, to be able to believe that there's more, there's more pleasure potential for all of us, for you, for, yeah. Yeah. And no matter it's a what lifelong adventure or unfolding at least. Yeah. Because um, right. then I got sick and almost died and was in chronic pain, like crazy amounts of pain for years. Um, and I thought it was over for me again. Right. And I was uh, literally like croaking to Charlotte, like go on without me. It's over. Uh, um, but because of the resilience of the human body, because of what's possible, um, because of your pleasure practices and because of I said your... I was doing BDSM with God right like mm -hmm. because I knew what was possible <laughs> uh, sounds like sounds like he was a pretty intense daddy there oh. a little too a little too mean a little too aggressive a little too rough but I was able to pay attention through it and um work through a lot of nerve pain and now I'm having some of the best sex of my life again at 40 for listeners like Chris has studied this and done this work and it's still took practice to get through this like horrible time of illness and chronic pain. So for folks right. out there who are like feeling like at a loss or helpless with this, like even professionals have to put in the work, like it is an ongoing lifelong right. practice, which I think is why some people are deterred because they just want the quick fix. Right. And then that event totally changed our relationship. And we had to put in a lot of time and energy and attention into figuring out like how have New we season. changed. Yeah. Yeah. New era, new epoch. <laughs> how do you, how do you feel like, um, your work in embodiment has helped you keep sex exciting after 15 years? Huh, I think, you know, the longer we've gone on with this, the more I feel like it has to be a personal journey and then a relational journey. I didn't know that at the beginning. I feel like we really do have a commitment to our own sexuality as an expression and as something that we are charged with um, being responsible for and to, um, and then turning towards each other. And I think that that... I didn't know that. And as a parent, um, there was a whole new learning for me. Chris had a journey mm -hmm. around um, 
illness and I had a, more of a journey around mothering and parenting and yeah. having to really deeply recommit to my own eroticism to prioritize it as something that mattered because it was hard to hold in life. So, um, yeah. But then you had the tools to do that. And you said yeah. self-massage is really important to you. Dance is really important to you. Um, it's like you had to dust off your toolkit, totally. but the toolkit was there. And it works. And without mm-hmm. doing them, I really got a masterclass in not doing those practices do make, yeah. do make me feel less alive, less charged up. Um, and then so it kind of recommitted me to the value of these powerful practices. Well, I think it comes from this like fairy tale trope of like my partner is supposed to give me pleasure. Oh my gosh. Right? Like you yeah. are here to turn me on. You are here to um, read my mind and do the things if you just loved me enough or whatever and bring me pleasure on a platter as opposed to charging that yourself. And then, then it doesn't feel so hard when your partner isn't in the mood um, mm-hmm. or when they can't connect with you in that way because you're already like as charged up as you could be. Yeah. And it takes commitment and practice and it's not perfect and it's messy in moments and that's yeah. also okay and part of it. Um, and it's relational, right? Like what is the relational space between you? How are you tending to that? Um, for us as parents, we allowed parenting to really fill that space and noticed only under a lot of duress that we weren't going on the kinds of dates we used to go on where we would intellectually stimulate one another. We mm-hmm. weren't taking little risky, thrilling side adventures, right? Like a lot of the things that had fueled our erotic connection had been kind of sacrificed at the altar of parenting, which was appropriate for that season when we were responsible for keeping this little squish of a being alive, right? And then we had to remind ourselves that that squish of a being is now a self-sustaining seven-year-old good job to us. Now let's play again. And so the other thing I would say to that is the attitude of curiosity, of playfulness, of open-ended discovery, right? Instead of like, this is how we have sex, because this is how these two bodies have sex. Even us pleasure mechanics fell prey to that, like, this is what our two bodies like together, Right. And when you know the routine, especially when you're under duress of time and you have the opportunity, it's easy to push the buttons that make the thing go. But what about all of the curiosity of like, what else is possible between us? What other energies might we want to run? And again, under duress, we started listening to our own advice a little bit Mm -hmm. more, walking our own talk a little bit more and becoming more responsible for asking for what we wanted. Like I realized I am a kinky being and I needed kink back in my life. And I had to take responsibility for not self-denying that want and making all sorts of excuses while I'm sick, while I'm old, while I live rurally. It's like, no, I can still have it. I want, I mean, this is a, this is like a little bit of a side, a side piece. And then I want to ask about goop at the end, because we, I feel like we got to check in on that. Um, How do you feel like, what's the intersection for you, Chris, of kink and chronic pain? Mm. I learned, and when I said that, you know, doing BDSM with God, I had, So I'd come into my sexuality a lot through kink in college when I was 19 and joined the lesbian sex mafia in New York City. Um, This is a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) And it was a big part of me. Yeah, uh, it was a big tool for me um, as a survivor coming back into my body and learning how to run sensation and hold big things and connect deeply with people. Um, so when I was struck with all this nerve pain, um, and it it was just very, it was severe nerve pain is a lot of what it was. Um, it was a very useful skill set in learning how to ride the waves of sensation, stay present, try to stay kind and loving while living with pain. Um, I've done an interview about this and we can put the link in the show notes page because I think a lot of us, a lot of us live with chronic illness and pain. And I now live with a chronic illness that I have to tend to 24 seven. And how do we stay erotic? How do we stay in our vitality? How do we keep exploring what's pleasurable to us when pain is in the backseat all day? Right. Um, and how do we not allow pain to become our story? Um, and there's ways to kinkify it, right? Like just like our anxieties and our fears, we can pervert them on purpose, you know? Yeah. Like Um, it's, it's making it more intentional and like re-narrating it or like trying to have some control over it again. Well, and, and I really want a lot more research done about this, but through interoception and really agency over your nervous system, 
right? When you can receive heavy sensation on purpose, when you learn how to focus on your nervous system. Um, I really believe that a lot of chronic pain can be rewired and, um, we can change how our brains relate to sensations. And I have really shifted my experience of this pain. Um, so I think it's a conversation a lot of us need to have, um, how heavy sensation itself, like can actually help our neurology rewire. Mm, To Um, be like more mindful and just like receiving and accepting of it as opposed to like fighting it. Well, I think a lot of it is learning new patterns because a lot of what they're finding in pain research is chronic pain is like your brain is sending a warning signal when it doesn't need to, right? There's pain when there's injury. And I've experienced both of these now, right? Some pain is because injury and it's a very real response. And some pain is a neurological response. Um, And psychosomatic has been used, and I think in some ways people get defensive around this term because it's like, it's very real. Like it still is a very real Yeah, you're not imagining it. Right. Um, But what is the origin of that warning signal um, and how can we rewire our bodies? And, you know, the neurologist um, Rick Hansen does a lot of this. And again, around savoring, when we learn to focus on pleasure, when we learn to really drop in and install the good our brain's wiring shifts. And there's like amazing documentation of this now with the um, fMRI machines where like we can watch the brain's plasticity, neuroplasticity at work. And positive neuroplasticity is like the big fancy word for pleasure practice. Um, And so some of this is like when I have really big orgasms during pain, I'm giving my brain a whole different sensation matrix to focus on. I'm also releasing hormone hormones and a whole cascade of full body, a wave of full body pleasure impact that lasts for hours and is a natural painkiller. So when we can say yes to these things, right, they were offering me opiates for years and I didn't want to go there. Um, So I'm not saying it's as easy as like, you know, orgasm the pain away. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we can learn to have a little bit more agency, a little bit more choice in our bodies and explore with curiosity, like what is possible for me now? I'm in pain. I'm sick. What still is possible for me right now? Yeah. Um, And then notice when you start feeling better too, (laughs) because that's also maybe what's going to happen. Wow. Fuck you guys. I'm like so... (laughs) I feel so like energized and and Mm. fan I'm like fangirling so hard about the way that you both share this information. Like it's Mm. so, this is such crucial, amazing stuff. And I'm like, fuck, everybody (laughs) needs this. Um, Okay. So before we wrap up a quick check in, did you watch the goop series? And for listeners out there, goop recently released something on, on Netflix called sex, love and goop. I myself have had, I had some, uh, tentativeness because goop has some things that I don't really connect with and approve of. And, um, I thought they did a pretty good job with this series or at least just bringing the importance of body work to sex and sensuality and eroticism. But I'd love to hear if you watched it and what you thought and if you'd, um, encourage people to watch it or not. Hmm. I encourage people to watch anything that piques their curiosity around sex and sexuality and, um, yeah, if anything, it's a good conversation starter. Yeah, Netflix a, and you know, all these streaming services have so many now. Um, you know, the series Sex Education is a really funny sitcom that can get a lot of conversations going. Um, and I think, you know, with any depiction of a profession that's thousands of professionals from all over the world, we have to be tentative. Um, mm-hmm. But just like the Betty Dotson special they did recently, um, I think it's really important for our field to be documented um, and then for people to get curious and critical if they want to seek out professional assistance, right? And so the Sexological Bodywork Association is one way to find folks. Um, but really personally vetting, asking big questions like we do with a therapist, right? interview your professionals. They work for you. So interview your therapists about sex. Um, And it's important to say, you know, a lot of therapists are not trained in sex. And so if you're having sexual struggles, any professional you bring on board, doctors are not trained very well in sex. And so does your professional have a working knowledge of sexuality and what other skills they are bringing to the table? 
And do you feel safe with them? That's always going to be my question, whether it is a podcast you're listening to, or a professional that's about to put their hands on your body or a therapist you're about to trust with your deepest struggles. Do you feel safe? Do you feel cared for? Do you feel held? Because you deserve that. And one of the things I love about what we do, so we both stepped away from the table and we are always asked for sessions. We could charge hundreds of dollars an hour for sessions. Um, We are, you know, pioneers of this field, but we choose not to do sessions and focus our time on doing what we do on building online resources because we all deserve this knowledge, this wisdom and the experience in our body. And you do not need a professional to access it. You are the professional. You are the expert on your own sexual experience. And the only question that matters is what are you feeling right now? And what do you want to experience? And so all of what we do is to try to guide you into that question with compassion and curiosity and maybe a sense of wonder even. Mm. Uh, well, thank you so much. I I would love to, I don't want to give away your classes, but if give you have away. like a short, <laughs> let's give it a little bit, a little bit for free, uh, just yeah. a taste. Um, if we could maybe give our listeners just a little practice that they can mm-hmm. try after listening to this, if they want to take that first step to reconnect, mm-hmm. obviously they can go over to, you know, pleasure mechanics and, and buy a course, but maybe just something they can do on their own to uh, practice embodiment in a small way. So I think a little bit of savoring, right? Um, And what I mean by that is during your next experience of pleasure, whatever that may be in your life. So something you like, something you enjoy, something, and you can do this on purpose. Choose a pleasure on purpose. Go to the grocery store and pick something you know you like. Choose a fabric you know you like. Bring something pleasurable into your day on purpose. And then as you are experiencing that pleasure, savor, which means slow down, drop in, and notice as specifically as possible how that pleasure feels to you. Name it, own it, claim it. I love this soup because it is rich, thick, and spicy. And when I hit a chunk of beef, my whole mouth lights up. The more specific we can get about our pleasures, slow it down and feel the lingering effects of that pleasure, you have just installed a moment of good into your system. And that is how neurologist Rick Hansen says, we add pearls into the necklace of our days. This doesn't have to be big. It's not all about the six hour ecstatic experiences, although we can all get there too. It's about how do we add a little bit more pleasure, a little bit more joy, and then slow down and notice it. Savor. Okay, listeners, here's a discount coming up. You know that I am all about self-care and self-parenting, and this advertiser is actually about taking care of other body parts than we usually talk about. You may remember it from an episode with goddess Coco Meow. She shared that for her and her clients that brushing your teeth can help with throat chakra healing. It's also a way to have a routine that tells yourself that you are worth taking care of, even with simple basic needs. Better health starts with good habits, routines, and rituals, and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials for your mouth, gums, and teeth, not for blowjobs, that you need to care for your mouth. If you go to getquip.com slash S&S right now, you'll get your first refill free. The Quip electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths and has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. It's lightweight, has a sleek design, and for all ages, there's no wires or bulky chargers to weigh you down. Also, because it has this smart motor, you can also get the Quip app to help track and improve your brushing habits. And when you are doing well, you get rewards that you can redeem for free or discounted refills and cool stuff. They also have floss, toothpaste, mouthwash, and more. So if you go to getquip.com slash S&S right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash S and S that's spelled G E T Q U I P getquip.com slash S A N D S quip the good habits company. Mm, y'all, I, I mean, even if you like aren't listening for education, I feel like I could just listen to you both like talk about <laughs> things for hours. I mean, if, if something happens with the pleasure mechanics online, I feel like you need to just like 
read random like <laughs> even like chip bags to people just so I could be like mm, savor the meat and the like even like talking about hot Cheetos I feel like I could like fall asleep and like and have a pleasure experience <laughs> listening to y'all talk about anything honestly it's so soothing <laughs> yes seriously please the, the listeners need this content <laughs> well there are 400 episodes plus of our voices to guide you in the most intimate conversations so. yeah even if you literally aren't taking any education from it which i can't imagine you wouldn't just just give it a listen just a listen shit mm, um thank you for such a rich conversation oh my gosh thank you both for for coming here and and being on and we only just scratched the surface so how can folks get in touch and check out the classes and listen um i really hope that people will start taking that step for themselves because this embodied work is so key for pleasure and mm -hmm. intimacy mm. Thank you. You can find us all at pleasuremechanics.com slash free um, to sign up for our foundational course so you can get started with all of that immediately. Mm -hmm. And the podcast is Speaking of Sex, and you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search Pleasure Mechanics. You will find us. And we are here for you. Cheers. Thank you so much. And listeners, again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram uh, for whoever knows how long uh, at Sluts and Scholars on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. And you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to rate and review and check out advertisers. The more you support the advertisers, the more you support the podcast. And talk to you next week. Cheers. Cheers.